Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry designed for you to fail. I had an epiphany this weekend. No, not epiphany, the clothing MLM, an actual epiphany. I'm going to leave Sunday to the survivors. You'll hear new survivor stories every Sunday from all different MLMs across the board. And all of the different advocates and experts I'm going to talk to, those are going to be bonus episodes, like really big long ones. So you might want to get a tub of popcorn and a drink and a comfy spot on the couch. Anyway, that's what's going to happen. And you're about to hear the very first one. Enjoy. Okay, so this is the first bonus episode I'm doing. Um, I'm speaking with an expert today and not a survivor. My friend who I've been following on Instagram for a long time. I love her. I think she's amazing. I think her message is something that you should be listening to. And if you aren't following her on Instagram, you should be. The lovely, the beautiful, the cosplay pro, Haley O'Brien. Counselor Haley, welcome to Life After MLM. It's so lovely to have you. First of all, thank you for calling me a cosplay pro. That's probably the biggest compliment you could be giving me. I'm super stoked on that, but thank you for having me. And I'm really happy to be here. This is so much fun. Yeah, um, I love that we're friends on Facebook because I got to see a whole other side of you I didn't know. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at all her amazing cosplay. So I will post, I will post some of your cosplay stuff in, in the um in the show uh post that we have so people can see just how adorable you are in all of your adorable costumes. But the reason you're here today is not to talk about your costuming, but the um we're gonna talk about what you do. So let everybody know how incredibly smart you are and what you do. Thank you. So yes, let me, I don't even know where to begin with this because I am not a survivor of an MLM. I am not someone who's ever been in one myself, but I can't even tell you how many situations I've been in that are MLM adjacent because I've had friends and family members who've been in them. So I started becoming anti-MLM pretty actively about a year and a half ago, but I've probably been anti-MLM in in theory for at least a few years. And I decided a little over a year ago uh, to actually do my master's thesis on MLMs and their negative impact from a psychological perspective. My most recent uh, degree was was a master's in counseling and I actually, I say recent degree because I initially got my undergrad and my first master's in accounting. So I think with MLMs, what's so interesting about them is that they're not just negative from a business standpoint and a bad idea from a business standpoint, but they have so much fallout in terms of psychological negativity, shall we say. So it really was the perfect uh, subject for me to tackle for my master's thesis. So I finished my master's thesis in December. And I've maintained my Instagram account that Roberta mentioned, which is Counselor Haley since July of last year. And I really take a focus on doing compassionate affirmations 
for people who are either thinking about getting out of an MLM or people who are trying to recover, they've already gotten out and they're trying to recover. And I'm not as big on the, Hey, this is what's going on in Monate. Hey, this is what's going on in Beachbody, et cetera. But I am very focused on the overall general recovery from these places. So that's what I do. That's a little bit about what I've uh, been through in terms of my education. And I'm sure I'm probably forgetting something, but that's probably a good foundation for now. Yes, uh, exactly. Um, you hit on so many points that we are going to talk about. Um, but yes, the the psychological aspect of multi-level marketing. Um, a lot of people believe that multi-level marketing is a business and it's not. Um, it's a swindle. It's a scam. It's a thing. It's definable. It's not a business. Um, talking about it as a business legitimizes it and it makes, even in, in a negative connotation, I actually had a conversation with Robert Fitzpatrick uh, just this morning about this, about even when you talk about MLM in a negative connotation and you use those business terms, you're sort of also talking about it and, and legitimizing it by continuing to use these business terms for these things that aren't actually businesses. So by saying like, oh, it was a risk or that's a, that's a business risk. What's well, not really a business risk. It's not, it's, it's not a risk at all. Like we know what's going to happen. And um, the aftermath of, of legitimizing these things as business and making people think that these are safe places that they can um, put all their eggs into this, this one basket. Um, and then the, eventual fallout that always happens, or at least 99.7% of the time happens. Um, and that's sort of where you come in, where these people uh, come out of these businesses and they start to wake up and they go, oh my God, I was in a cult. Oh my God, this is not a business. This is not what I signed up for. Every single survivor that I talk to says that this, when they realize that they go, this was not what I signed up for. This is not what I was told. This is not what I expected. Um, I know that I had that leaving and I wish that there were, there was someone like you around when I left so that I could have figured out that it wasn't me without having to go through it on my own because going through it on my own and then, um, finding those, those like therapy esque groups on Facebook of other survivors and other people that had been through it kind of almost like this faux group therapy that you also talk about as a way to go through this, um, that faux group therapy uh, that, that we were getting just by having catharsis together was something that was really, really important for my recovery, um, also speaking out and, and, and turning it around and reclaiming my failure as not failure, but as my power and, and, and then speaking out and educating is another way that I was able to find therapy. I know that's not what everybody is going to do or is able to do. Um, but again, like I wish that there was someone like you that was on Instagram talking about this five years ago, six years ago, maybe even before I joined that maybe I would have seen and gone and I would have seen the red flags before in a compassionate way. And that's another, like, I love that you're compassionate because it takes away the fear. Uh, there's so much anxiety and, 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 uh, depression and, um, PTSD symptoms that, that you can have when you, when you leave multi-level marketing, that when you're then attacked in groups, uh, and called stupid and told that you deserved it and you should have known it was a pyramid scheme and how stupid you are. Don't you know, um, it's even far more damaging in, in, in the fragile place that you're already at. So I commend you in what you're doing and, and being the hole in that community that we needed to fill. And I hope that more therapists continue to do what you're doing 
Um, so after that long ramble of rant of what I went, went through, what do you uh, recommend to people that are listening right now that are maybe, maybe where I was a few years ago, vulnerable, either thinking about leaving their MLM and scared to, or on the, you know, like just doing that and, and experiencing those, um, uh, those bits of excommunication and, and being told that they're stupid and, and not finding that compassion. What is your what, where do you think the best place for somebody to go in that situation is? So I want to touch on something that you talked about, which was the groups, the informal groups that you can find on, I don't know, Reddit, Facebook, what have you. I think that at the moment, these are, or can be, I should say, some of the best things the best resources to leverage when you're getting out of a group like this, because truthfully, you are going to experience so much validation in a group of survivors. Now, that in and of itself can be helpful. But of course, I think in these groups, to your point as well, there are people who come in and maybe they're hurting on for themselves, or maybe they've had like a brush with an MLM and they're frustrated and they, and they may say something like, well, how could anyone fall for this? It's so dumb. It's so stupid. Or I'm so dumb. I'm so stupid for falling for this. So I think it's also important for survivors while they're seeking that support to keep in mind that you are not stupid. You are not stupid. The reason that this is that, and when I say this, I mean the MLM complex, as I like to call it on my page, the reason the MLM complex is so successful is it because it is so good at duping people it, the MLM complex doesn't just go for people who are naive and say, okay, here's my customer base. We're all good. It targets people who are incredibly educated as well as people who don't have as much education. But I think the point is that it doesn't matter how much you have in terms of knowledge or education. You can, anyone can still fall for something like this. So keeping that attitude of kindness and compassion towards yourself is really important. That's not easy to do. I don't mean to make it seem like it's not, but yes, yeah, seeking support, keeping compassion for yourself in mind. And of course, seeking therapy is important, but I do want to say something about therapy, which is that I think number one, it's not always accessible. And number two, and this is one I'm actually actively working on. Uh, there aren't a ton of therapists who really no, at least not openly, as far as I can tell. There are not a lot of therapists who are really versed in how MLMs work and how impactful they are. I think, to be perfectly honest, a lot of the therapists, including those I knew, well, they, now they know me, so they know the deal, but before, who were like, yeah, I just thought it was a pyramid scheme. I just thought it was, you know, something that was around and people mostly avoided it and it was not a huge issue. And now people are opening their eyes and saying, oh my gosh, this is huge and this is bad. But Seeking therapy when you find the right therapist who gets it can be really helpful. And, you know, there's a ton of stuff that we can do in general, people can do in general when they're recovering from MLMs, uh, seeking the help of a legitimate, a legitimate, I can't stress this enough, financial advisor or someone who is not associated with something like Primerica or anything like that, but someone who is actually has your best interests at heart and wants to help you work through the financial aspect. So it's a lot of stuff that you can seek out through professionals, but I think that if you find the right safe space online, that's really important. I know a lot of people talk about seeking solace just in watching the anti-MLM YouTubers or watching your documentary or something like that. So yeah, I mean, have at it. Watch all that content, consume it, because I think it's incredibly validating. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, there was, there was not a ton of that stuff when I was leaving. Um, I was one of the ones that was sort of helping create it. And, and there was a little bit of information, um, but those groups, like we said, those groups, there is a group for every single one of them. If you need help finding a, a survivor's group for the multi-level marketing company that you left, um, hit us up. I'm sure I can find you one. And if not, I can find you a compassionate anti-MLM group um, for survivors that can help you. I know of several of them. Um, if you're interested, I could probably put a couple of them in the show notes. I need to double check the names, so I don't want to say the wrong names or anything like that. But there are definitely compassionate uh, anti-MLM groups that you will get that. And like you said, that validity, you're like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. I d- I'm not the problem here. I felt that like, I really honestly felt like I was losing my mental stability. Like I really felt that. And I'd never felt that in any other time in my life. Um, not even when my dad died, did I feel like I had that sort of like loss on my own mental control of how I was feeling, how I was thinking. Um, there were, there were definitely times that I was just like, this is, this is a, this is over leggings. Like, I don't understand why I'm convulsing and crying and I cannot breathe. And I'm freaking out over birthday candles and I'm freaking out over the tiniest things. And I was really, I, I don't even know where I was. Had I had any sort of therapy at that point, I'm sure somebody would have been like, this is exactly what's going on. And this is how to help it. And I had to go through it by myself and, and using these groups. So like you're saying, like sometimes access, not even just access to therapy, but access to the therapy you need, the compassionate therapist that you need to find that you can't find. Um, I agree that if you go to a therapist and they don't, they're not a good fit, find a new one. And I'm sure they would agree too. You don't like the same with hair. Like if you don't want me cutting your hair, I don't want to cut your hair. Like if we don't fit, you're, it's not going to be fun for you sitting here for two hours in this session or an hour or whatever with somebody you don't like. So if you don't like the, your hairstylist, or you don't like your therapist, or you don't like your doctor, then you be your own advocate and find, find what works for you. Um, unfortunately, like you did say that it is sometimes very hard to find. So again, the anti-MLM content um, with the cohesive message of compassionate based education, um, I think is, is creating such a beautiful inclusive database and a good place for people to go when they're leaving these cults and they don't know what's going on and they feel like nobody understands. And then they join these groups and they go, okay, wait, they, okay. It it wasn't me. You know, that, that's, that's the dream, right? That's, that's what, that's the whole reason you're doing this. Right. So (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. And I cannot stress that enough, you know, that this is not something that anyone has to go through alone. This is something that thousands, if not millions of people across the world are a part of and thousands, if not millions of those thousands of millions are struggling with aspects of the MLM, whether it's feeling like they have to conform to something, whether it's feeling like they've been isolated after they left, whether it's feeling like they are in too deep financially, but can't find someone who can validate that, yes, they are in too deep financially. So it's 
so incredibly important for people to know that there are resources and I appreciate all the efforts that you make and all the efforts that the other anti-MLM creators are making to let people know and repeating the message that, hey, this is, this is a, a scam, you know, this is not something that's good. So your feelings are justified. Cause I think being in an MLM, you're, you're going to get that message that it is all good and everyone else is crazy, but in reality, it's, it's the opposite. It's that you're in a harmful environment that is trying to convince you you're okay. But in reality, the outside world is almost always going to be a better choice. Whatever's got, whatever you've got going on outside there is going to be a better choice than an MLM. Exactly. I completely agree. Obviously. Um, as you were writing your thesis, so you went to Fullerton here in California, it's a CSU, Cal State Fullerton, um, and your thesis on MLMs and, and counseling former members of multi-level marketing in your findings. Um, well, let's just talk about that. Like how long did it take you to research and, and write this thesis, like from start to finish? So, so the thesis itself, and this is for anyone who's listening, who wants to go to Cal State Fullerton. Now, you know how the process happens. Uh, you, you have to start with your literature review in one semester, and then you do the everything else in the next semester. And the literature review is basically that chapter two, if you look at the thesis, it's basically all of the existing information that we know about MLMs. That whole thing happens in one semester. And then everything else, including finding participants, interviewing them, analyzing the data from your interviews, discussing the data and what it means, and everything else happens in that second semester. So it took on and off, obviously, it's the culmination of efforts from about a year of work. And it was, uh, it was an interesting year indeed. <laughs> wow. Okay. So like the first semester, it's gathering all of the existing information that you're going to be doing your research on. And then the second semester is uh, discovering and uh, showing your own research. So yes. um, were you surprised by what you found? What I was surprised about will probably surprise you. So what I was surprised about is how in my first semester, when I was looking for existing literature about what was going on with MLMs, there's actually not a lot. I had so much trouble finding legit empirical scientific data around the, the harms of MLMs. I found some stuff, thank God, because otherwise I don't know where I'd be today, but I really had to milk those resources that I found. Some of them were older. Some of them were from like the eighties. And I had to talk to my professor and say, look, this is where I'm at. I anecdotally see how much of a problem this is. And there are, there's, there's modern day documentation around this. It's just not empirical and super scientific. And she loved it. And she was very supportive of me, which I'm thankful for. And I was, so yes, I was surprised by that, just the lack of research. And I was also surprised, and this is maybe a little bit more general, how difficult it is to find people to want to interview not a lot of people, not a lot of professionals really knew about MLMs and those who did, which again, thank goodness I found them, weren't necessarily primarily focused on that, but rather were just generally knowledgeable about cults in general. So they were able to speak to the MLM experience through maybe having a couple of clients or a couple of their own personal experiences but there was nobody that I could find, absolutely nobody that I could find that was in the mental health field specifically that was an MLM professional. So yes, it was quite an undertaking. Those were the biggest surprises for me. 
what um, was really funny surprise for me is I I don't know if you've read Robert's book or not, but in reading Robert's book, because I finished it like a week or two ago, but in reading your thesis, I was like, oh, like you guys use so many of the same sources and it's those really old, like 1980s sources and a lot of these things. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I know this. This is, yes, this is in here too. So um, you, you're right. You're hitting the nail right on the head because the, you know, the, the, the most famous dude in this movement was using the same exact research you were using. So that should, that should also make you feel a little good as well. That like kind of saves my life just to hear that, just because I, I really did, even after I, I went through and, and submitted my thesis and all was good and I graduated and wasn't told that I had to redo my degree all over again. I'm like, I thought to myself, like, is this enough? Is this enough? Do I have legitimate enough sources in here? Does this thesis stand on its own two feet? So to hear that from Robert's book, which I do need to read, I swear I'm going to get to it. I swear, I mark my words, everyone listening, I'm going to get to it. Um, it's, it's really nice to hear, but it also does exemplify just how little empirical evidence there is and how important it is because we all know all of us listening, you, me, everyone, we all know how big of a deal this is. A lot of the people listening to this podcast have lived experience and can tell full stories for hours about what they've experienced in MLMs. We just have to, I think as researchers, not just me, but others have to get on it in terms of showing that yes, there is also data to back this up. It's, it, I mean, not that lived experiences are important, but it, it really is, it really is devastating. And I want the scientific community. I want the psychology community to take that as seriously as possible. Yeah. Um, uh, exactly. I, I, uh, <laughs> you, you just like say exactly what I'm thinking. So then I'm just sitting here nodding and like totally speechless, like, yes, 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 yes. Yes, 100%. I'm not used to being that well understood. So wow, thank you. I'm, I'm very glad. Yeah, I know, I'm the same. <laughs> when I talk to people that understand and they go, yes. And I go, oh, thank goodness. I don't have to explain this. Oh, yes. you understand. It's wonderful. That's like, I, I love it. So some of the things that you talk about in, in your, your thesis um, that we can sort of break down here and have a conversation about is the harmful culture, that was one of the things that you talked about in your thesis, is the harmful culture of multi-level marketing. Um, it's, I, I akin it to cults. Um, I think that we really can change the very basic things to any other well-known cults and change, you know, buying inventory to buying books, to recruiting your friends, to recruiting your family, you know, I mean, it's opening up the opportunity and, and it's, it's so similar. And the only thing that changes it are really the words that we use to describe the things that we're doing. And in multi-level marketing, it is more business and empowering focused. Like you're going to do this it's so much better for yourself. And on cults is more, sometimes more spiritual and religious and like, don't you want to be, have more purpose? Um, but at the same time, like even in multi-level marketing, we were told that, like, don't you want to have a bigger purpose? Don't you want to be more than just a mom? Don't you want to be more than just a wife? Don't you want to be more than just what you are? Like, I wasn't doing enough. I had to constantly be doing more. I had to constantly be, well, how many parties are you having a week? I'm like, like four. They're like, well, you should have be having six. Like what? I should be having six. 
I should be having, like, how do I even do that? You know, so this harmful culture is, is so true. Um, and then another thing that I was going to say about you, when you were saying in your findings, like how hard it was to find people to interview, like, I, I believe you there. I understand that. Um, and, and the other thing is like every single person that I interview, we talk for, I mean, at least an hour, if not two, sometimes almost three hours and these stories, these horror stories that they're telling me and these shared experiences. And literally I could change the name of, like I said, just the basic names, the name of the company, the name of the product and the name of the ranks. And my story is the same as that person's story is the same as the next person's story. And there's nothing else we have in common. We don't all live in the same place. We're not all from the same race or socioeconomic background. We didn't grow up in the same places. We didn't have the same family life or family structure. Um, yet we all have these shared experiences from this one common thing. And the stories that will be coming up this, this season, um, some of the ones that I've, I've, I've heard already are just so unbelievable that I'm like, I cannot believe one that this happened to you. And I cannot believe that you were in a state of mind where you allowed this to happen to you, where you were like, yeah, this is okay. This is normal. And, and not and, and without any, seeing any red flags at all. And so for me, that's when, when you talk about that harmful culture like that's, that's where, when I hear the word harmful culture, like that's where it puts me, I'm back in and I'm doing more than I should be making less than I need to be constantly juggling while dropping the balls, while everyone's throwing another ball, while I'm trying to keep them all on the ground, while I'm slowly sinking in a boat that has holes in it, that are constantly being new holes are being, and, and I'm just, I'm like, I don't have help. Like that's, that's how I felt. Um, the people that you talk to and the people that you, uh, do you, did you also see those sort of stories with the, with the, the victims that you talked to and the survivors that you, that you interviewed as well? So one of the things I want to say is, yes, I did see some of those stories, but unfortunately, one of the notable parts of this thesis, I guess, was that due to restrictions from my school, I wasn't able to interview direct survivors. I had to only interview therapists who've worked with survivors. So the stories of the survivors oh, okay. were actually told through them. And again, it was it, not to say that it wasn't valuable because it was incredibly valuable and I'm so thankful for them. But hearing, there's a difference of course between hearing survivor stories directly. And so I think that while I got some of the experiences that, I'm sure that you've had or other people who are going to be on your podcast have had it was it was maybe filtered through that that other person that therapist that I was interviewing so for example things right. like being told horrible things in the midst of a training or a, per, a personal development seminar which is something that I hear a lot from people just on Instagram that kind of thing happening was was told to me but it didn't carry quite as much weight coming from the therapists themselves. Now, one of my therapists did actually was, had a lot of direct experience in Landmark, which isn't technically an MLM, but it's very MLM adjacent. And so his stories just knocked me off my feet, but yeah. So it was, I, I heard a lot of the same stuff that you talk about and others talk about, but it, 
it just, uh, you know, it was, it was third party information. So it, it was a little different to hear it. Right. Um, in a, in a similar way, an analogy of that, um, I remember hearing about Hurricane Katrina on the news and seeing it on the news and being like, oh my God, that's horrible. How sad. And then I was actually in Louisiana randomly and I went to like, I don't remember where it was, but I remember talking to Jess about it and she was like, oh my gosh, yes. And I went there and I remember talking to people there and saying, did, did you guys get hit? And, and the guy in the gas station saying, seeing that mark on the wall. And it was probably like five and a half feet up the wall. And I said, yeah. And he goes, that's the water line. And like seeing the destruction and seeing that the town was wiped out and there's spray paint on the houses and, and seeing that I felt completely different as I had seeing it on the news. So, I mean, it's totally, it's a totally different thing, but the analogy is the same. It's like, you can hear these stories and they're so sad and it's like, oh my gosh, but, but really listening to the victims. Like I, when I sit and I talk to these victims or you in your, in your sessions, talking to these victims, it's a completely different thing. Um, it's, it's incredible. Some of the, the stories that I hear, the resilience of people, the strength of people, um, just, I, I don't, I don't know why we're not talking about this more in mainstream other than the fact that these businesses spend a lot of money to maintain the ideal that they are businesses and they are legitimate. Yeah. I mean, for God's sake, what's the, 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 the soccer guy, his name eludes me, but he is an herbal life rep. Essentially. He, I think it's Ronaldo. This is what I get for not knowing about sports. I swear. Ronaldo. Let's Ronaldo. Say yes. It. Yes. Thank you. Yes. He, he wraps Herbalife. As far as I can tell, that's still the case. And we're talking about one of the highest paid athletes, one of the most famous people in the entire world, someone who reaches across countries and cultures and languages and influences people. And this person is, is out there wearing an MLM shirt, like it's nothing. And I don't want to speak for him, obviously, but it just goes to show that, yes, these companies will go above and beyond any other industry, it almost seems, just to appear legitimate. And I mean, we have the direct selling caucus in Congress. We have lobbying efforts by all of the MLMs to stay legitimate. And we, of course, have the people who are in these MLMs presently who are very, very invested in making sure that the name stays untarnished or as untarnished as possible. So it is hard because there are people like us and others in the anti-MLM community who work very hard, but the MLM community works just as hard and just happens to have more money. And it's unfortunate that it is that way, but hopefully things are changing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I constantly preach about that as like the, the, really the only way to end this is to end the stigma through education to end that feeling of being a failure so that people are like, oh yeah, I did one of those, they're, they're cults and pyramid schemes. Like you need to get out and, and, and have this cohesive message of compassion that people are like, I was in one of those, you know, you, you need to look a little deeper because it's not what it seems. Um, they're cults. <laughs> I mean, they just are, you know, um, if you, <laughs> they just are. Um, any pro MLM stuff that I see is either, funded by the DSA, um, which is the governmental lobby that protects 
multi-level marketing. It's the Direct Sellers Association. Direct selling used to be a legitimate thing. Multi-level marketing kind of got in and got their their teeth in there and they they turned it into a not legitimate thing that still, you know, prances around, prances around as if it is legitimate. Um, and, you know, these celebrities, um, it's their job to be a celebrity. It's their job to be an athlete. It's their job to show up and, and wear a company. You know, they're, they're, um, they're, uh, their handlers and their reps are the ones that are making these decisions and these big checks are flashing around. Yeah, why wouldn't you want to, uh, if Herbalife's going to pay you millions of dollars to wear Herbalife on your shirt, then why wouldn't you? Because Cristiano Ronaldo has no idea that Herbalife's a cult. I don't think he sells it. I think he just wears it on his soccer uniform. So, so it's not like he's out there promoting the scam um, directly, but what he doesn't understand is he is promoting the scam indirectly. Um, I wonder if I came to Cristiano Ronaldo and asked him to wear a shirt that said Scientology for the same amount, if he would be willing to do that, you know, maybe not because of the negative connotation behind these cults or heaven's gate, you know, like, are, are you willing to promote that knowing what it is and knowing what, what it, what it does to people? Um, the only difference between multi-level marketing companies and, and cults and, and pyramid schemes is that one is protected by the government. Like it's really just, that's the difference, you guys. That's the difference between pyramid schemes and multi-level marketing is one is protected by the government and it's not the illegal one. Like it's. Yeah. And it's crazy because I mean, when I think about like heaven's gate, for example, it's like, they, they were pretty out and proud about what they were about. I mean, yeah, it was pretty awful, but Hey, you know, they brought out the Kool-Aid or they brought out the stuff and they did their thing and it was an awful, awful thing. But I think what's so hard about multi-level marketing is that it is so insidious because it's not, Hey, we're all going to take our own lives in the name of the space God for heaven's gate. Hey, Lop Comet. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's, it's, it's much less than that. It's, it's in this sort of shell of normalcy, like normal American dream type stuff. And so people don't look at that and go, oh my gosh, it's this fantastic sort of uh, mystical thing, you know, because that's not going to appeal to most people. Some people maybe a la heaven's gate, but, but a lot more people are going to be drawn to something that looks to be pretty normal and looks to be pretty every day. Because, because, you know, who, who doesn't want to, who doesn't want to make enough money to live? And a lot of people do also want to be rich. And since MLMs talk about these things and being able to work from home and all of that, it's very appealing to a wide range of people. And it's not, again, it's not directly, um, you know, always physically harming people or encouraging people to physically harm themselves or anything like that, like some of the other cults do, but it's still, incredibly harmful in terms of the isolation it can cause in terms of the mental and emotional abuse that can occur and in terms of the I guess degradation of self-worth that can occur in an MLM so it's just as harmful it just the harm takes a different form and is less obvious so it's it's scary for that reason so when I have people sign up 
to well, not sign up, but um, uh, fill out a survey to, to be interviewed on the podcast, there's a bunch of different questions that I ask. And one of the questions on, on my survey is, did you experience any of the the common psychological issues while in or leaving multi-level marketing? And um, I have a bunch of different things, um, but I will tell you that the percentages that I have so far, 94.1% of people that filled out my survey experienced gaslighting. 52.9% experienced excommunication, 82.4% experienced shaming, 47.1% uh, experienced bullying, 94.1% experienced manipulation, 82.4% experienced peer pressure, and 76.5% of people experienced guilt. Um, and that's just a smattering of the people that I have actually sent the survey to. There are a ton of other people that I have not reached out to. And I always say, if I haven't gotten back to you, just wait longer. Um, I have overwhelming response to this podcast and there are so many people that I'm getting back to. So I promise I will get back to you. Everybody that wants to be on the show will be on the show. That's just what I wanted to say really quick, but um, I will get back to you. But those are the numbers so far. And it is a very small number, like a small amount of people. But the fact, and the other statistic is 100% of them lost money. Every single person that filled it out has lost money. Um, but that's another thing for another day. But the psychological issues, I mean, these are obviously problems in this industry. I mean, 94% of people are saying that they were gaslit and manipulated. I mean, that's, that's really high. That's really, really high. Yeah, it, that is high. The 100% of money lost. I mean, that's, I mean, not surprising per se, but it just, it's really, really emphasizes, okay, this is not a good idea on any level. The other figure that you named that stood out to me was the excommunication figure, because I think that that is one that should be talked about more, uh, because what happens is I think people often get in their, in their head that they're going to leave and it's going to be better when they leave. And that's great because they don't have to deal with all that crap anymore, which sure, absolutely it, it is, but it can be so incredibly devastating. And I'm sure you can speak to this a lot more than I can, obviously, but to leave this organization that was part of your life for however many months or years, and then not have half those people because they're essentially shunning you is insane to me. It's incredibly hurtful. It's incredibly devastating. And I can understand why that might be one of the biggest prevailing issues for a lot of people, even more for some people, even more than the financial, although the financial cannot be overlooked, but yeah, no, you're that survey just is so eye-opening. So I'm, I'm happy you're able to do that. It's uh, it's really interesting. And, and what I see, um, is that like, you know, it's a little over 50% experienced excommunication and a little over 50% also um, say that they were leaders or had like held positions of, of, of leadership or, you know, something, a position of grandeur in the MLM, some sort of rank or something. And so I do really honestly believe, you know, I compare being a leader in multi-level marketing to being like in an organization like the Sea Org, where you're in Scientology, but you're just in a little bit deeper than everybody else. Just a little bit more. You just worked a little bit more. Not even that you worked harder. Maybe you just 
impressed somebody better than someone else. Because I mean, I say this a lot. I was stacked. Um, there were many times when my upline was like, so-and-so wants to join, get your link ready. And these were people I didn't know. These were people that didn't reach out to me. These were people that were reaching out to her funnel and she was placing them. Um, and, and so I was sort of a reluctant leader and I got very deep in, uh, not something that I was looking to do, but something that I was sort of, again, reluctantly chosen to be. And, I was doing it for money. I said, you know, you say that before, like I've said that before that why my, my, why was, I was doing it to pay my bills and to make money and to take care of my family. So why wouldn't I want to be in a higher position to make more money? But once you get in those higher positions to make more money, you are manipulated so much more. Um, I remember sitting on calls and, and the owner screaming at us, telling us like, you better be at this training next weekend. I sign your paychecks. I know how much you make. I know you can afford it like screaming at us. And I'm thinking, what is happening right now? Like, this is not no own. Like if I worked at target and we had a business meeting, like the manager would be screaming at me, telling me I needed to go to something because they signed my paychecks. And I know they know how much I make and can afford. I thought that was really manipulative. Um, and again, when you didn't go to these things, you were shunned. Even if you were still in, you were gossiped about and talked about, most likely you were never asked to speak up uh, on the stage again or do any of these things. And so you were very publicly punished for not obeying, which goes right back into that whole cult thing and the excommunication. When you leave, if you weren't 100%, you know, if you're not with us, you're against us. And, and it's, it's very toxic. Um, and, you know, that's another thing I wrote down that you had in your thesis was the issues resulting from membership. and like, hello, like these were all things that I went through that I would have never gone through had I not said yes to membership and, and, and yes to sure. Put that person underneath me. Sure. I want to be a leader. Sure. You can help me build my team. Sure. That sounds like a great idea. The deeper that I got, the more, um, psychological things came with it. Yeah. And I think I've been thinking about this for a couple days, weeks, what have you. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think that your Vice documentary is kind of like mandatory watching for people who are at all interested in either learning about MLMs or escaping MLMs or need recovery from MLMs. Because we talk a lot, I think, about how, in general, how, how people lose money in MLMs or experience gaslighting in MLMs. But there, it is important for people to recognize that it just seemingly gets worse, the higher that you get. So even if you do happen to make it a little bit higher up in the pyramid, say you're mid pyramid or what have you, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily free from the manipulation. It doesn't mean that you're free from all the, from all the money troubles or all of the gaslighting or what have you, or the gossip, like you were saying, it, it doesn't get any easier. And I think that some people who get into MLMs from what I can tell they think, okay, you're kind of a grunt at the beginning, but if I work hard, I can just get into this tier and I'll be chilling. When the truth is that it, like to your point, again, it just seems to get worse and the pressures mount. And regardless of how much money you're making, it's not really worth all of the stuff that you have to deal with. So I'm happy that documentaries like yours exist. And obviously this podcast exists because people need to know uh, that 
higher up people such as yourself or Josie, Josie Nicoy, the lady who runs uh, Good yeah. Girl. I love her. Not the good girl, Josie. She's Thank amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It's so good that I have you here so you can correct me on all the things that I misname. But seriously, yes, people like you and Josie who were higher up who can explain, hey guys, it doesn't doesn't get easier. It's not good. It's not good up here. It's it's bad. So so that's why I really appreciate your guys' perspective because it's uh it's not talked about near enough. I completely agree. I don't think it's talked about near enough. And I talk about it all the time and I'm, I'm definitely making my friends and family sick of it. Like at work, they're like enough, Roberta. My friend today was like, I love you, but you talk about anti-MM a lot. And you just, it's just sometimes it's very passionate and I'm very, you're very passionate about it. And I love that about you, but <laughs> sometimes and I was like, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's just for me, you know, that was something that I was taught in MLM. It was one of the things, like, if you see a hole, you fill it. And when I left MLM, that was the hole. Nobody was talking about this. Nobody was talking to survivors. Nobody wanted to know what goes on behind the, behind the curtain. You know, they just wanted to know about the money aspect. They don't care about the psychological aspect. They don't care about the cult aspect. Um, and I did, you know, one of the, one of the things that you mentioned in, in your um, thesis is that 118 million people are involved in multi-level marketing and that's astronomical of a number. That is a, a, a very big number. There's 118 million people out there all just trying to get five people to join their team. And if we do the math, uh, there's just not enough people for any of that to be successful. There's just not enough people for every, every single one of these 118 million people to have a giant flourishing downline. There just isn't. We haven't opened up multi-level marketing to other planets. So when that happens, maybe, but other than that, like, I just don't see finding any more people on earth. Like there's just, it's, it's, there's just not enough people to make this uh, work when you look at it for more than five minutes. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report, and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. 
Head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the Flow Knit High Rise Boyfriend Jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claims standard approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton doll scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. National Voter Registration Day is kind of a big deal. It's a yearly, nonpartisan holiday celebrating our democracy, and it's all about getting as many people as possible to, that's right, register to vote. So why is that important right now? Well, sure, local and state elections may not get as much attention as the midterms or the presidential elections, but there's still a super important way for you to use your voice to make an impact and help shape the future of your community. And one of the best parts Registering to vote is really easy thanks to organizations like Headcount. Get registered there in minutes and you won't have to worry about registration deadlines in your state. And then you'll be ready to participate in all of your upcoming local, state, and federal elections. That really is a big deal. Head to headcount.org forward slash Spotify now to register. That's headcount.org forward slash Spotify. See you at the polls. Yeah, it's and those figures, I think I should know this off the top of my head, but of course, it's I may have taken a little bit of a viewing break from my own thesis. So I forget if this is when what year these figures are from, but I want to say they're from two or three years ago. And I would say, unless the anti MLM community has had a very, very big impact on the world, that number has probably just risen since then. We're probably Most likely at, yeah. at least a couple of million more, right? So yeah. we've probably got a couple million out, but we probably got a few more million in too. Right. So, I mean, and that's the thing, you know, um, there's no retention in multi-level marketing. That's something that I learned as a hairstylist is retention. That was the first thing you learn when you're building your business in a, in a customer-based business like you or, or a client-based business is retention. You have to keep that person coming back, sitting on your couch, sitting in your chair, that service that you're providing. Um, and, and retention is just not existent in, in, in MLM. It's just, it, it's constant. There's constant replacement of people, constant replacement of products that, that people aren't interested. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times LuLaRoe was discontinuing a style because nobody was buying it. And then a month later, two or three more styles were coming out. And it was just like, it's just constant out with the old and with the new out with the old and with the new single serving life expiration date for tomorrow. That doesn't work anymore. Here's the new thing. Throw that out. We like this now. Um, 
And then even when jumping from one to the next, you jump from one wellness company to the next wellness company. And you're like, everything from my old wellness company is the worst. Throw it all out, buy all the new stuff from the new one. So now you throw out all this totally good stuff that you spent money on and you're replacing it with even more expensive stuff from the new company. It's like, when does it end? Is, you know, and, and from a psychological standpoint, when you're in these sort of cyclical loops that you can't get out of, like, where do you go from here? I mean, how do you, how do you talk to somebody and, and get them to understand that, that they're in a loop that is never ending? You know, it's the, the definition of insanity, right? It's just over and over and over again. I'm doing the same thing and it's still not working. I'm just going to try a new company and do the same thing and it's still not working. I'm just going to try a new company and it's just like, it's a broken record. So at what point do we see it and leave and break the cycle? And, and, and I, I don't know. I don't know that answer. I mean, that's, that's what this podcast is about. That's what your work is about. That's what all of this is about. Like, at what point do you think we see any movement on, on that end? <laughs> yeah, I, I think about this a lot because like I was saying earlier, anybody can fall for, and I'm sorry, I'm using big air quotes, but anybody can become susceptible to, to an MLM or something like it. And unfortunately, since MLMs are not necessarily all the same, it's entirely possible and probable to become involved in four or five of them easily, easily. That doesn't make somebody stupid. It doesn't make somebody dumb. It doesn't make somebody, uh, any type of negative thing, take all those negative. They don't deserve it because they've fallen so many times. It's not like they deserve it the fifth time. Exactly. Nobody deserves this. It's just that it can be so hard, even with prior knowledge to suss out scams because they're, they're new ones are coming out every day. Right. So I think that this is where I think that therapy can be super helpful not to, not to, you know, necessarily toot all of my horns and the other therapist's horns are listening but no but I want to hear it I mean I I think I think therapy is good so please please tell everybody exactly I, I know there's people right now listening going what where can I find help yeah it's I think I think speaking about these situations with your therapist is so important because your therapist will know ways to ask your therapist will probably pick up on this. And even if they don't really know what an MLM is, one thing I will say is that most therapists will be able to listen to these experiences, hear the patterns and be able to ask questions that can gently lead somebody to discovering for themselves, oh shoot, it's the MLM thing. But I think that to be perfectly honest with you, I do think that non-therapists can do this with their friends and family. It's just that if I must say anything, it's that I think friends and family should get away from the whole scolding, uh, direct kind of criticism thing when it comes to their friends and MLMs, because unfortunately, as, as weird as it sounds, directly telling someone that they keep getting into trouble because they keep falling for MLMs and they keep being naive is, is not going to be helpful. It might even push that person further away. So I'm sure it's a whole different topic in terms of how do we gently approach people and help them figure out for themselves that they're in an MLM. But I do think that is the answer. The answer, maybe not the overarching answer to everything, but I do think an important tool is therapists, yes, but also friends and family. 
maybe gently asking questions instead of directly telling someone you're in an MLM, this is dumb, all of it's dumb, this is why you're in this situation. Because again, people can be rebellious, even adults, even full grown people can be rebellious and not want to listen to that. But if you ask them questions and you do it in a bit of a more subtle way, they can come to that conclusion and figure it out for themselves and hopefully get themselves out. Excellent. And what about for therapists who may be listening, who have MLM clients who, and they're just like, I don't know. I don't, I thought it was like a business. I thought it was, I don't, I don't understand why this person is so ingrained. What, what advice can you give to therapists that are listening on how to be more compassionate toward people that are leaving these, uh, these businesses, quotes unquote, you know, businesses, um, and, and, and be able to give their clients, um, better tools moving forward from these businesses as well. Yeah. With therapists again, and I'm going to sound like kind of a broken record because I say this about every class of human, but please be compassionate with yourselves about not knowing about MLMs because I'm sure some therapists are listening to this and going, oh my gosh, did I not do the right thing? And no, just trust me, I'm a therapist too. I know we do this. This is all we do is we criticize ourselves, but don't criticize yourself. Don't criticize yourself. Don't go into the, I'm a bad therapist thing, but instead understand that you have been essentially conditioned to not think of this as a big deal. So first of all, that's the first thing is understand that it's okay that you don't think this is a big deal because you've been conditioned to not think this is a big deal. The second thing I would say is pay attention to your client's words and stories about their MLM experience and don't necessarily try to say outright that they shouldn't be in an MLM, but maybe arm yourself with some of the facts, maybe have on hand the, the John Taylor study from 2000, I think 11 or 2005, I forget that talks about how many people lose money in them. Maybe I'd be happy to give people a copy of my thesis. I know it's a student thesis, but it is, it does contain other uh, research in there from people who are really established. So show them that, uh, show people uh, YouTube videos, even show them your video. You know, there are a lot of resources that therapists can point to their clients without outright saying, Hey, you need to get out of this MLM. Cause that's not our job as therapists. Our job as therapists is to facilitate a process for our clients. So that there are so many ways to do that, but of course it, none of it can be done if you don't first have compassion for yourself and remember that you're doing the best you can as a professional. Right. And I like to say always like every day, just try to be better than you were the day before. You know, there's a lot of things that we do as children and, and as growing up the bad habits that we have bad, bad things that we, you know, it's always good to just to always grow and be better than you were the day before. I know that's something that you talk about a lot as well is just, just growing and being better. So for therapists that maybe didn't have as much compassion because they're like, it's just Amway or something, you know, like forgiving themselves and knowing that growth is part of everything and that, that there is, there are businesses that the, that these businesses are not businesses and that these businesses are very harmful. The John Taylor study is amazing. Robert's book, Ponzi-nomics is amazing. Um, we'll even link your thesis in the show notes so that people can read it if they want to. It's long and it's good. 
I was like on my phone, like scrolling and I'm just like, I'm not going to finish this tonight. <laughs> yeah, no pressure, definitely no pressure to you or to anyone. It's like, what is it? 80 pages, a hundred pages. It's like 84 pages or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You skim that, skim it or go to different sections. Y'all don't, don't worry about reading the whole thing. <laughs> I do love though, that you did bring up the FTC versus Amway, um, lawsuit from 1979, because, uh, that's, uh, that's one that I talked about. Um, I don't know if the episode is aired or not yet. I have so many episodes in the can. So I'm, I always talk to people in present tense and then I'll, they put the episodes up and they're in the wrong order. And it's like five episodes from now, I'm like, we're going to be talking to Haley O'Brien. And I was like, yeah, no, we already did that. Like, <laughs> cause I talked to that person first. So if you're hearing weird things like that, you're not lost. I'm just scatterbrained. Um, but I do love that you did mention the FTC Amway. There's so much information in Ponzi-nomics about it as well. Um, such a, a uh, such a frustrating result to a case. Um, I will have to find some time to carve out to do a special bonus episode to talk about the FTC and Amway. Maybe Robert will come back and talk to me about that as well. Um, but um, I want to talk about the grooming of multi-level marketing. And you talk about that as well, um, about being exposed to multi-level marketing for a long time. Um, multi-level marketing has been around since the forties. So Amway was the first official multi-level marketing company. Um, and, and there's hundreds, I, I think there's like 300 plus MLMs, um, like that are actually running right now. I don't even know all of them. People message me and they go, have you heard of so-and-so? And I'm like, I have no, I've never heard of that one before. This is there's so many just popping up all the time. But because of that, and because of how we've been exposed, literally the baby boomers have been exposed since day one. Um, so every single generation that's alive right now has been exposed to multi-level marketing from its inception as a completely normal and common thing. I'm sure you could look around your house right now and go, well, that's Avon and that's this and that's that. We have Cutco knives in the kitchen. So it's like, it's everywhere. And I, I didn't know this was bad until several years ago. And, you know, speaking out and educating other people about the, the dangers of this. Um, but let's talk about that, that grooming process of it being normalized since basically birth. And and the guilt that people maybe feel for joining these companies because it has been normalized. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned having Cutco knives around. Oh my gosh. I like thousands of dollars worth of Cutco <laughs> knives. When I my I have a brother who's about two and a half years younger than I am. So he's he's 20. Gosh, he's gonna be 28 this year. No, is he gonna be 20? He's gonna be 29 this year. Oh, they're getting so old. He but when when one of the first brushes with MLMs that I had was when he was 16, he was still in high school and I was away at college. And my mother called me and told me that he had signed up for, for vector marketing. And I said, what the hell is vector? No. <laughs> and we're talking a little 16 year old boy. And so poor thing. Oh, did they, how, how, what 16? Like how? I, I, I remember, you know, looking, you know, now over 10 years after the fact thinking like, this isn't right. You know, that I don't know how they did that, but it was actually very common for my little neighborhood 
for them to get the boys onto selling the knives. Now, what was funny is because it was a it was a very affluent neighborhood. Thankfully, the boys were able to pitch and sell to the families in there because they had the money. But I mean, if that neighborhood hadn't have had the money, I can't imagine they would have very much luck. But uh, it, my mom saw it as some sort of very casual, fun thing for him to do on the side. And my mom actually, when she was growing up in the 70s and 80s, sold for, I think it was Mary Kay, it may have been Avon, and her mother, who my grandmother sold for Tupperware. So it's just, it's just so incredibly normalized and really not thought of as a big thing. And obviously now my whole family knows that MLMs are bad because I won't shut up about it. But before that, it's not like they really knew. And I think that that's an element of the grooming is just how normalized it is. And then I think, of course, when you get down to the recruiting aspect, I can't even tell you how many situations I've been in, even as someone who's never been in an MLM where I thought I was making a friend or I thought that someone was genuinely complimenting my hair back when I had it or something like that. And it ended up just being a way to ease into the conversation to get me to join an MLM. So there is so much to say about the grooming, but yes, I do think that the normalization and the recruiting tactics in terms of feigning that friendship are big parts of it. Yeah. And that, and another point I want to make that you also made in your thesis um, is the selling of a dream, which is another thing that Robert talks about in Ponzi-nomics. Um, it, is the, it is this ridiculous societal need and pressure to have 2.5 kids and live in a four-bedroom house with a white picket fence and drive a, you know, like a sedan like cut oranges for soccer practice and it's like this american dream that is uh reiterated on all the tv shows and all of the movies and this is what perfection looks like and this is what you're striving for constantly and that is what multi-level marketing at its core is selling you when they pitch you is the idea of a of a dream that you maybe might get the chance to possibly maybe be a part of if you try hard enough, but probably not anyway, no matter what. And it's really insidious to tug at people's heartstrings. Uh, and, and that's another reason why people of color, um, marginalized people, um, people that are, um, are vulnerable, like stay-at-home moms or single parents um, are targeted is because those are the people that feel that they need the American dream the most, you know, like the 1% already has it. So like, we're the ones that are really, really fighting to get that American dream. And when these beautiful packages arrive, um, these MLMs with all their bows and bells and whistles and glitter and promises of everything you've always wanted with unlimited potential and unlimited income, just if you work hard enough that you get sucked in so easily, but it's not real. Yeah, it's, it is really sad because I think that a lot of the people who join MLMs are earnestly just trying to achieve something that they were taught is what they have to achieve. It doesn't come for a lot of people from this place of, 
of wanting to deceive. It doesn't come from this place of wanting to step on other people, but I think we're fed that American dream so much here or various versions of it in other countries, obviously. And the MLMs are, to, are like you said, they're taking that and that is what they're selling. And it's very, very easy for the people at the top who already have that to sell that because they don't have to, they don't have to work for it. They have, for a variety of reasons, they have that, but it's very disingenuous for them to pretend like, for example, speaking of marginalized people, you know, a brand new immigrant uh, with no money to their name and a family to support back in a different country can achieve that that easily. It's it's very disingenuous for them to paint it that way, but they do, and and it's uh it's really unfortunate to see. Yeah, I actually have a guest coming up. Um, we recorded this past weekend. We had a really good time, um, and she is Latina in Los Angeles and was part of Herbalife during all of that when um, Mayor Antonio Villaraigosa was sort of in the pocket and. Um, and Bill Ackman was battling them on Wall Street. So she was she was in it during all of that time. And we talked about, about the marginalization and, and the predatoriness and, and really targeting the Latino population specifically, um, which, and again, you know, like that I hear about it the most with Herbalife in, in really targeting that specific demographic. I don't hear about that specific demographic with other MLMs nearly as much as I hear about it with Herbalife. And again, like the soccer uniforms, like it goes all right back into the Latino culture. And you look and there's Herbalife, there's Herbalife, there's Herbalife, there's an Herbalife nutrition shop. She talks about the Herbalife nutrition shops and like how those work. And I was just like, I was flabbergasted. Um, But yes, it's the targeting, the targeting of people that want what this cult is pretending to sell and then getting in and not only like financially ruining them, but oftentimes psychologically damaging these people um, through no fault of their own. Unfortunately, it's, it's just, it's part of it. it the, the psychological damage is, is part of the aftermath of multi-level marketing. It's, it's how they can pretend that it's, legitimate well that person was just not good like clearly like clearly they couldn't do this like look at them they can't even you know and they shame you in that way so I mean it just it it all goes hand in hand and it is so insidious like you say that's a word I use all the time as well I just feel like it really describes this business model so well is insidious yeah and I think also that some of these people at the top their mindset is that turnover is normal and turnover is just a cost of doing business. And it's almost like they see these people at the bottom of the pyramid as an expenditure, a necessary expenditure. And right. Like you got to, you got to crack some eggs to make an omelet, right? Like that sort of thing. Like, well, some of you are going to be failures and that's just sort of the fact. When in reality, those failures, and again, I'm using huge quotation marks here, are people with lives and people with dreams and people who are oftentimes permanently or for the time being 
very heavily scarred by their experience and they are not just little, little casualties. They're not, you know, I don't, I'm trying to think of a good, uh, they're not coffee grounds left over from making coffee. (laughs) They're, they're human beings with, like I said, lives and families and dreams. And so to treat them as if they can just be discarded and disregarded is like an expendable commodity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, it's just part of doing business. Um, and I think that can really also be very psychologically um, damaging when you're in a cult that's using uh, actual business acumen and actual business words to legitimize themselves. And then when it doesn't work out for you, you know, you're told where you just, you just weren't cut out for this business. When again, like what we're saying is they're not businesses and these are just excuses. Um, it's the same as like, leaving any sort of anything where um you know it's it's your fault at this point like we did everything we're great look at all the people on our on this side that are happy if you're unhappy it's got to be you it can't be us we're amazing don't you see us over here everyone's having so much fun you're the loser you're the failure it's definitely not us it's definitely you um but we know what the reality is and that it is that is not the reality that is not true that these are the lies that are told to psychologically damage people uh intentionally it seems like do you do you feel that way as well yeah yeah i think that it's i think that these lies are told i think especially the higher up you get i don't want to necessarily speak for everyone but i think that at the very top i have a hard time believing that the people who start these mlms or the people at the very top of the mlms i'm talking very top i have a hard time believing that they don't know what they're doing you know i can see how people who were very successful for a time you know like like you or other high ranking people i can understand how you can get caught up in that and i think that there is there are so many people with good intentions who just get caught up in something and then realize it and go, Oh shoot and get out of it. But I do think that the people at the very top, they know full well what the MLM structure is. They know how it works. They probably know how damaging it can be, or at least have an idea. Certainly financially, they have to know at least about the financial part. And uh, they do it because they just don't care enough. That is my thought. Unfortunately, that's how I think it works. You know, um, I feel the same way. And and recently, this is a more recent um, discovery for me because I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And I try to really, um, you know, not assume things of people especially in this predatory nature. Um, but I will say last night I was in between reading your, um, <laughs> your thesis and bopping around on clubhouse and, and talking about these fake gurus and stuff on clubhouse. That was really fun. Uh, that ties into this too. And I was also looking on like Facebook on social media and catching up with like people's stories and things. And there's this one girl on my page, um, who's a network marketing professional. She's, um, I don't want to give too many, she's not going to ever listen to this. I know that for a fact, but she's very, very sweet and very nice. Um, I don't have a problem with her at all, but last night she, she did this, whatever, like the stories and she's talking about how she's leaving her other network marketing companies. Um, and has nothing to do with any of that, but she's found a new one and it's brand new. 
and it's a ground floor opportunity. And she's always wanted to be at the top of the pyramid. Like she's literally saying that she's always wanted to be at the top, that she knows that you can't get to the top when you join an already existing company. She's always been in the middle, but it's now her time to be at the top. And so she's going to be leaving her other ones to join this brand new one on the ground floor. It's an amazing opportunity. She shows a graph and I will put the graph in the show notes because I was just like, I can't, she was like, we're in before the saturation. We're in before the, before the rush. Like we're in before everybody wants to join. This is the time to join. And I'm looking for people to bring with me so that you can be the team leaders of your own teams and you can be the top of these teams. And if you've ever went, and I'm just like, she's literally talking about how she, like, she's literally recruiting. And then the, the last thing she posted was like at the end of the night that like, so many people had hopped on her zoom call and she had gotten seven new people to join her team that night. And I just, I cannot sit here and pretend that she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. Excuse my English. I'm fluent. (laughs) No, I mean, but seriously, that's really shameless. I was going to say, that's just really all the things that you were talking about are incredibly shameless. I was just, I I was completely speechless because there are definitely people on my, on my friends list that I've been friends with for a very long time that have always been very successful in network marketing and multi-level marketing, direct sales, whatever you want to call it. It's all the exact same thing. Um, Very successful in these businesses, top recruiters, getting all the trips, getting all the cars, getting all the everythings. And I've always been like, I wonder if they know what they're doing to everyone below them. And if that registers when they buy their new Louie and they get their new razor and they buy their new house in Vegas for their, or their vacation home somewhere else. Like, I'm wondering if they really are thinking about the aftermath and the devastation that they leave in the wake of all the people below them that they promised the American dream to that failed, quote unquote, failed. We know we use the word fail on here a lot. I don't have to put the air quotes, but all the people in her wake that failed so that she could succeed. The money comes from somewhere. It has to. Money doesn't just come out of thin air or all of us would be millionaires. If I could just snap my fingers and get money, I would do that. That'd be great. But that's not how it works. You can't just generate money from nothing. It has to come from somewhere. And I don't think a lot of these people on top when they're buying all these things are really realizing where that money is coming from. So I like to say congrats for being successful, but at the same time, like do your due diligence and have some responsibility for the devastation you created. um, Not only financially, but psychologically as well. I think what you're saying is really important because I think that people listening, if they're listening and they're at that level, which I hope they do. And I think they will. I think what you just said was very powerful because I do think it's possible that a lot of these folks who get higher up, it's a very subtle process. It's not just overnight. They stopped giving a crap about people below them. I do think that over time, you just get used to what you're doing. And I think that you get focused on that And I think that you slowly morph into focusing on what you're doing rather than how you're affecting people. And for some people, it could be as simple as hearing what you just said and the flip could, sorry, the switch could flip. Or 
some people need to be reminded a few times. And this is one of those times, this, what you just said in your podcast is one of those times that's reminding them to look, to look down. Don't just keep looking up, do look down. So it's a really interesting conversation that I get into often, which is where's the line between the victim and the victimizer. But I think rather than focusing on that, because I think it's always a complicated mess, I think it's important for people who are listening, who may be at the top of the pyramid or who may be in that middle successful range of the pyramid to remember that they are a human being dealing with humans. And in my opinion, it's never too late to reevaluate what you're doing and how you're doing it. And if you're, if you have a feeling, which I'm sure many of them do, that what you're doing isn't right and you feel a little bit weird and icky about it, tap into that and, and ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? Okay, maybe it's because I'm doing this. All right, maybe I'm wanting to do this. And, and not everyone will do that. I'm not saying everyone will do that, but I think that there are enough people out there who will start to consider through stories like this and through podcasts like this and other media like this, how they're impacting others. And I want them to know if any of them are listening that it really, I mean it, it's not too late to turn around. It's not too late to do something else. And it's not too late to start evaluating, even though it can be a painful process. You know, I think um, coming from someone that was there, my perspective, um, a lot of the things that I started to see when it started to crumble for me, when I started to realize that I was part of the problem, the people underneath me were struggling and they weren't telling me because they were afraid I would be mad at them. And a girl came to me and she said, Roberta, I don't know what to do. I haven't paid my mortgage in three months. I'm about to lose my house. I need to buy more inventory because I need to sell it to buy my, to pay my mortgage. And I said, no, you need to leave this business. You need to send it back and you need to pay your mortgage and you need to do whatever you need to do, whether it's eating top ramen or 99 cents cheeseburgers, or whatever it is that you need to do to make sure that you don't lose your house and you need to leave this business. Um, And that's not exactly how that conversation went. It was a long time ago. This girl and I are still great friends um, and she didn't lose her house and she's not in multi-level marketing anymore. And she was able to send her stuff back to LuLaRoe and get her hundred percent buyback. And she was able to pay her bills and they are totally fine. And she is great now. She just had another baby and she's very happy and she's lovely and wonderful. And I love her very much. And I hope she's listening and she knows exactly who she is at this point. Um, but you know, it was, it was those things, those things, like there were other people that were like, my husband like is so mad at me. Like he's doesn't like, we might be getting a divorce because of this or certain things. And I started realizing that those things were the result of the positions that I had helped put her in. She would have never been in that position had I not introduced this business to her. Had I not said, yeah, it's super good. I make a ton of money. Like it would be so fun to do it with you too. Um, And I had to really take a hard look at what I was doing myself and what I was encouraging people to do. Um, And not necessarily like that I thought it was a good idea, but it was what my upline, when I would, I didn't know the answer. I'd ask my upline and my upline would tell me, and I would just reiterate these, these platitudes without really ever thinking twice. Like, oh, I have a great thing for you to copy paste. Just share this. I'm like, okay, copy, paste, share, never read it. Just copy, paste, share, hit send. Um, and, and never really read it and do my own due diligence and add my own points and things into it. And when I started realizing that that's what I was doing, 
And then I really wasn't caring about the people anymore. And it was like, well, how come you haven't made a sale in three months? Well, clearly you're not serious about this. Like, I don't need dead weight on my team. Like when it was that, when it got to that point, I gave myself a hard look and I was like, I don't not like the person that I am. Like, I got to look at you in the mirror every single day and you're kind of a dick. And I, I just didn't like who I was. And I didn't like that I was placing money over people and that these people were dollar signs to me in some points, like, well, you're just not working hard enough. And, and I, I really seeing myself like that, it snapped me out of it. And I was like, these people are hurting when they want to leave. I have to let them go. I can't convince them to stay. And so when people started saying, I think this is, I said, are you sure? And they said, yeah. And I said, okay. And I let them go. And, um, you know, it was very hard for me and, and everything that happened in that me gave me a, a, a moment to give myself a really hard look at everything that I had been doing and everything that had been happening and everything that would happen from that point forward, losing those people and how much work it would be to rebuild it back up. And I honestly was just like, this is not worth it. The stress, the emotional turmoil, the psychological like aspect of it, like feeling horrible about myself, feeling like I'm not good enough. It was all the horrible feelings that I had felt before I joined, but they were exacerbated now and they were much worse. And now I had actual tangible evidence of the things that I had felt I'd actually done before I had just felt them. And now I had actually done them. And so it was very eye-opening to me to go, I'm part of the problem. I need to leave and I need to tell people that there's an issue with this business model and this company. Um, And so if you're out there and you're listening and anything that I just said to you resonates even a little bit, even if all it does is plant a seed and you decide months from now, then then my job is done because educating about this and, and, and having the compassion like Haley and I have to be able to to talk to people. I mean, I talk to people all the time that are in multi-level marketing and they try to convince me that their business is different. And I say, okay, I'm not going to argue. There's not enough time and hours in my day to argue and convince somebody in a cult that they're not in a cult. I mean, if you believe that go on Hollywood Boulevard and meet a Scientologist and have a conversation and see how well that goes for you, it's not going to happen. So alternatively, the education that we do and, and the, the stories and, and the realness and me being vulnerable and sharing how disgusting I was at a point in my life that I hate remembering, but bring up constantly because not only is it cathartic for me, but it, it's helping others. Like you said, the documentary, I get so many people messaging me. I saw you on the documentary and I left my MLM because of it, or I saw you on the documentary and I had no idea. I'm never supporting these companies again. And it's something that I did so long ago that continues to have such a big impact. And so Again, like if you have any inkling that anything that Haley and I are saying strikes any chord in any reality that you live in, do some due diligence. And, you know, you can still sell an MLM while you read Ponzinomics. You can still be in your cult while you're asking questions on the outside. I did it for months. Um, And honestly, there'll be a time where you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. And and it'll happen and, and it's going to be hard. And, and when that happens, that's when Haley comes into your life. And that's when, and people like Haley come into your life that are able to um, help you with therapy and, and help you find your feet again. Um, Haley, 
for somebody listening right now that listened and resonated with everything I said and just said, oh my God, I'm leaving my MLM. I'm going to go get some therapy. This clearly is me. What are the best next steps for them? Well, definitely. I mean, if you're, if you're at that point, I just want to say, yay. But what I want to say is yes. Yay. Let's all celebrate. (laughs) Woohoo. Yes. Also do remember though, that for, for listeners that finding a therapist can be a little bit hard and frustrating. I would strongly suggest that you start by heading to psychology today and go into their therapist's repository and conduct a search Yes, exactly. I just held up my copy of psychology today. (laughs) Look at that issue. Conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. It's um, Roberta's holding up a conspiracy theories issue of psychology today. And I'm super stoked about that. So definitely do go onto that website. And if you are having trouble Uh, because again, it can be pretty hard. It is very regional and very localized in terms of how you can find therapy. So sometimes going to your county website, like your county health services website can be helpful. And if all else fails and you really need help and you just don't want to deal with some of that other stuff anymore, I can help you perhaps. I mean, I unfortunately, and not to get too into the weeds with where I'm at with my career, but My job is limited to where I, as a therapist, exclusively work with uh, child welfare services clients. So I'm pretty much restricted to San Diego County, CWS people. I'm not taking clients yet. I will be in the future. So do hit me up. If you're listening to this three years in the future, yes, I'm probably available for you. But in in the case that you're listening to it now, I can still help try to find a therapist for you because sometimes it really does take speaking to someone who knows the system well enough to know, okay, based on where you are, based on what your income level is and all of that, here's what we can do for you. So you can always talk to me if you need that. And I can try to do my best to help you find a therapist. So if someone is listening to this three years from now, and oh, I do hope, I really do hope that three years from now, people are still listening to this episode and getting things out of it. Um, Will you hopefully, is, is the dream for you to be offering online services and be, be able to reach um, a multitude of, of these sort of victims or will you still be stuck here in San Diego? You're in San Diego, just like I am. I know we're gonna have to go get tacos sometime <laughs> with Tiana too. <laughs> yes, definitely. I would love that. So yes. Yeah, so if you're listening in the future, I'm hoping that I have my own private practice right now. This is me visualizing, right? private practice where, yes, I do want to be focusing on my areas of expertise, or I would not say expertise, but my areas of interest, shall we say, uh, which would be neurodivergent adults. So like ADHD adults, autistic adults, as well as people who are coming out of cults of all kinds, including MLMs. MLMs are such a huge passion of mine in terms of helping people out of them. So that is something I would like to do in my private practice. And if you're listening again in the future, please contact me because I will be doing that. And I uh, would love to, regardless of where I end up, I'm probably going to end up being in San Diego for a while. But even if I do end up going to a different country or different state for a little while, I do plan to have online services. My hope is also in the future to somehow create a, maybe a virtual or in person or both a formal 
a therapy group for MLM survivors. So what that'll probably look like is in maybe a couple of years when I'm on my own for the first time, uh, starting a San Diego County group for MLM survivors from our county. In the future, I'd like to have multiple groups uh, across the, the world that are done online, maybe with my own methods. So a lot in the future. I, I definitely am very committed to this cause from a mental health perspective. So keep watching and keep uh, checking it out. And I hope to deliver on all of that. That's excellent. That's excellent. Um, I also want to definitely have people follow you on Instagram. You are one of the most positive, compassionate anti-MLM advocates out there. Um, I love the one today with you and your cat. It says it's okay to need help getting on your feet after leaving an MLM. Um, I, I love so many. I'm just going to read some of my favorite of your posts. And there's so many MLM ones recently. Um, hard work and success does not necessarily have a direct relationship, no matter what your MLM tells you. Um, the anti-MLM movement is a form of community care. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. These, these posts that you create, um, many people join multiple MLMs before fully divesting from the MLM complex. This is normal and perfectly okay. So this is the sort of stuff that you're going to find on Haley's page. It is very um, aesthetic and beautiful. And she shares pictures of her beautiful cat. And sometimes she also does her cool cosplay and um, shares pictures of her significant other, which I, he's just so adorable too. So I totally follow you. And I just, I love your, your whole thing. And you're just so wonderful. And again, you're one of my favorite creators. And I knew that when I was going to talk to experts that you were like, seriously on the top of my list, I have a list on here and I'm working down the list and you are on, I will show you, you are on the list. It's like people to talk, people to interview. And I've got Robert and right here, um, right here, right there says Haley right there on my list. <laughs> and I wrote that a lot. I wrote that in January. That was a long time ago. So I've been wanting to talk to you and now we're in March. So two months ago, I decided I was going to, and even before that, I know we've been talking about wanting to talk a long time, but I knew that your insight and your knowledge and your expertise is right at home here on this podcast. I absolutely love your message. I absolutely love you as a person. I'm so glad that you're in the Alliance and we're doing all of this stuff on the other side together. I love that we're local to each other. Um, I love, I just love it all. And I would love to have you back on this to talk more about the psychology of things. This is a really great introduction into who you are and what you stand for. And I would love to even anytime crazy, like crazy, insane, what just mind blowing things happen. Um, I would love to have you on as another bonus episode and talk about the psychology behind these things, because it is incredibly fascinating to me, the, the similarities between cults and multi-level marketing and the psychological aspects between them. And um, again, you're just so wonderful that I just, I love, I love just picking your brain and talking to you. You're just, you're, she's wonderful. You guys, you should follow her. I say it all the time follow Haley. She's amazing. And I will put all of her information in the show notes as well so that you can follow her. Um, yeah. Is there anything that else that you would like to share or say before we wrap this up? First of all, I just, I'm like almost on the verge of tears. I just want to say like, as someone who, I mean, Roberta, you're like a titan of the industry of this anti-MLM movement. So that Oh, hush. I'm just me. <laughs> 
like it just really means a lot and i'm so thankful for your for not only for your camaraderie in this movement but obviously your friendship and this has just been so wonderful and i'm so happy that we got to fuse my experience as like an outside person and therapist with your direct lived experience as an expert having been in an MLM. So thank you for that. And yeah, I would love to come back and, you know, hopefully, you know, in the future, when I come back, I, I have a little more success to my name and we have more cool things to talk about. So thank you for that. Definitely. So the last thing I'm going to do is I do this with all the survivors, but why not do it with you too? Because you have a grasp of MLM. So um, rapid fire questions, one word that encompasses how you feel about MLM. Poop. I'm sorry. I don't have any other word. I'm sorry. Bad. There we go. That's a, that's a normal human adult word. I love the candidness of just poop. It was like, it was like the minute you said, what do you think of an MLM? That was the only word that came in. I'm like, I I can't hide who I really am in these rapid fire things. So yeah, (laughs) there are no wrong answers. Um, uh, one warning to somebody that wants to join an MLM. Don't just don't. (laughs) (laughs) Another fantastic answer. Um, worst MLM in your opinion. Any, oh, what, one word, one word, one word. They don't all have to be one word, but okay. just, where's MLM? <laughs> Which one do you think? How do I, ooh, this is challenging. Any MLM that delves into the physical health sector. So I'm thinking like Herbalife or what are the other weight loss ones? The, the, the weight like loss Prove one. it, Herbalife, yeah. Beach Body. The ones that, because I think that those can mess in, in equal measure with both your mind and your body. I'm like, no, 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 no. Worst ones by far. Yeah. That, yeah. Mm, the diet culture. Ooh. Okay. Um, hardest, I know you weren't in an MLM, but hardest lesson that you see people learning in MLM. The hardest lesson that I see people learning from what I can tell is learning that you can be susceptible to such a thing, like no matter what you have going on in your life, that no matter how smart you are, no matter how much you think, you know, that you can still fall for it. I think that really messes with people. And the last, um, again, you weren't in an MLM, but any positive takeaway from being an MLM that you would think um, a lot of people say, uh, like mine is that I, I learned that I was a lot stronger than I was. That's the positive takeaway I took. Some people say, Ooh, I learned how to run a business the right way. So what, what do you think is a positive takeaway that people can take from MLM? I really like yours. I'm kind of like, I don't know how to follow that. So mine's kind of going to suck by comparison, but I think what I thought of initially was how to run a business the wrong way. So you learn what not to do because you learn that, Oh, wow, this is, I'm spending money to make almost no money kind of thing. Like, so yeah, I think that's a valuable lesson, but again, having not been in an MLM, I don't know if I'm really on the money with that, but that was something that came to mind. So hopefully that's valuable. That, that's a brilliant answer. A brilliant answer. Yes. 100%. All right. So thank you again. You're amazing. Um, 
I love talking to you. Uh, if there's any experts listening that are like Haley that have experienced multi-level marketing in their profession, um, it, it takes away from your profession. You're finding that you're having to re-coach people or you're finding that you're having to do above and beyond in your profession because of multi-level marketing. I want to hear your stories too. Um, hit me up at therealrobertablevins at gmail.com and let's share those stories. Let's educate. Um, let's end the stigma of failure in an industry designed for you to fail, right? That's what we're doing here. So again, thank you so much, Haley. You are amazing and beautiful and wonderful. And thank you for spending your uh, afternoon with me. Um, it is a beautiful day and I totally, we're about to get rain and I took away most of the sunshine before the oh. rain came. So <laughs> I, we, my partner and I, it's almost my birthday. So we were going to go to the wild animal park and I was all excited. Now we can't go. All, the rain. It's going to rain. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't rain that much in San Diego, but when it does, it does. It do just... Oh, it does. So if you're visiting here, so you know, just get ready. Like the river floods and the downs, yeah. like in the Mission Valley gets all closed. It's crazy. We, when have, to get an arc. we have to put all the animals in the ark and then we have to swim around San Diego until it goes away. It's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. We, we live in the country. And so like, it's like the hard ground. And so we have to use like sandbags or like the backyards gets, we live on a Creek and the Creek will like overflow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. No, it's, it's pretty crazy. We're not really that equipped for that here. So yeah. Well, again, <laughs> oh, I'm, 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 a, I'm open for tacos. So let me know, yes. have yeah. mask and car will travel. <laughs> yes. Same. <laughs> All right. Enjoy the rest of your day, Haley. Thank you so much. You're wonderful. Um, tell again, like subscribe, tell your friends, share this, post it in the anti-MLM communities. Um, get the word out there. Let's, let's end the stigma. All right. I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to life after MLM. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and share with all of your anti-MLM friends as well. See you next time.